Welcome to the Parent Toolbox podcast from the Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Center. We are a not-for-profit organization helping families with day-to-day parenting ups and downs from expectancy to teen. Thank you so much for joining this Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Support Center workshop. Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Support Center, a not-for-profit organization helping families and children. Inventive Minds Family Law Mediation Services, private-inspired Montessori School and Early Years Child Care, Parent and Youth Support Therapy, Community Services for New Moms, and Parenting Courses Related to Children, Aid Services, Mediation, Separation, and Divorce. They also help families by creating parenting plans, child support, spousal support, and asset evaluation. Connect with Inventive Minds to learn more about their school, New Mom Services, their therapist and practitioner for day-to-day parenting challenges, support programs for newborns to teens, and adult group support programs for reconnecting with their children and developing an emotionally attuned parenting strategy. Well, thank you everyone for joining in. I'm Rose. I'm the founder of the institution. We're going to get into a very deep topic. What is picky eating and how to avoid it? And nothing more important than having an expert with us who's going to really dip into what is picky eating. So please, Sean, introduce yourself to everyone so everyone knows what a wonderful person you are and how lucky to <laughs> have you here today. Thanks for having me, Rose. My name is Shauna Hughes. I'm a registered holistic nutritionist. I provide one-on-one coaching for parents who are struggling with um, situations like picky eating or with any health problems, but I do specialize in ADHD management. So um, the majority of my of my clients are families who are dealing with an ADHD diagnosis. And yeah, I provide lifestyle and nutrition coaching to help them manage things at home. Thank you for that. So let's talk about what is picky eater. It's a good question. A picky eater is a child who on a regular basis, rejects a wide variety of foods um, to the point where they're not eating a wide enough variety of foods. So this everybody has their preferences. Everyone's going to have foods they don't like and foods that they prefer over others. But if you see a child who is consistently on a regular basis, probably a daily basis, rejecting a lot of the foods that they're offered and who tends to have really strong preferences towards certain foods. And a lot of the times that can go as far as like brands, you know, they'll eat a certain type of cracker, but they won't eat the, you know, another version or another flavor of that cracker. And it can get quite, uh, quite selective. So I would say a lot of the time you'll see kids who are either doesn't always happen this way, but most of the time it's kids who are rejecting a whole group of foods. Sometimes, you know, they won't eat vegetables, they won't eat fruit, they won't eat meat, they won't eat some group, or conversely, they're only eating a certain type of food. So they're only eating fruits and vegetables most of the time, or they're only eating high carb foods, like the starchy crackers and breads. That's the the more common thing all of the time to the point where it is, you can see that there's not a wide variety in their diet. So um, it's not as severe as disordered eating. I just want to point that out. If you're if your child is so restrictive in their food that they're you know not not gaining appropriate weight, that there's you know uh, um, with more more like um, a disordered eating. So if they've actually fallen off the growth curve, if there's failure to thrive there, then you want to you want to speak to an expert on that. But this is just general picky eating where kids are eating enough food caloric wise, but they're not eating enough variety to get all those nutrients in. So um, I know uh, as a mom myself and as an educator and a practitioner, um, there's a lot of difficulty when it comes to toddlers, parents always having, uh, you know, issues with their toddlers or preschoolers as they're finding them um, to be picky eaters. How does, how does that look like for a toddler or a preschooler? What does 
picky eating looks like for them? Yeah, so for a preschooler, it pretty much looks like what I just said about how they're they're refusing new foods. You're putting new food in front of them and they're either, you know, verbally saying, I don't want that, or it's all just getting left on the plate, or they might move it away. Um, there might be tantrums there as well, depending on the individual child. A lot of the time, picky eaters are prone to tantrums when something new or something that they've said that they don't like is put in front of them, or if they're encouraged to eat something new. Um, with toddlers, it does look a lot more emotional a lot of the time, because just their level of development, they don't have the same communication skills, right? So rather than saying, I don't want that, they might just scream and throw it on the floor. So it does tend to look a little bit different in toddlers. The thing you want to remember with toddlers is their amount of food that they eat each day can vary quite a bit, right? So depending on growth spurts, brain growth and physical growth, they could eat one day a certain amount and the next day literally twice the amount. So sometimes parents get nervous because a child's eating far less food than they did the day before. But as long as they're still eating a good variety of food and, you know, maybe they only ate three peas, but as long as they didn't flat out refuse the peas, that's a little bit different. So it's just, yeah, sometimes people get a little bit nervous with toddlers, but it's not really, it's not about amount. It's more about, did they actually try a new food? Did they actually like throw the food out or, or did they try it a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what I've noticed sometimes with uh, toddlers and preschoolers um, when they are having difficulty eating, parents go and cook like variety of food. Like you'll see a home that they've cooked five different types of food um, yeah. just to please everyone in the house. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's just curious. Just what are your thoughts? Because I know that happens in so many homes. Yeah, I know it's called, um, <laughs> some I call it in other people, I don't think it's my original thing. It's called like mom's diner where she, <laughs> the mom is serving up whenever it's like you're ordering off of a menu. Um, yeah, it's, it's generally speaking, it's not a good idea to start catering your meals to, toward everybody in the family. Um, and again, it's, it's not like you can't adapt things a bit, right? Even in my house, you know, I have, you know, my, me and my husband like things a little spicier. So maybe I give I'm cooking something and before I add certain spices, I put it aside for them. Some kids don't like certain, you know, types of beans or meats maybe as much as others. So you may alter the amounts a bit that you're giving them. But if you're cooking whole entire different meals, then that's quite burdensome on a parent and it's going to lead to a lot of negative emotion around food, right? Which is, we're going to be getting into that a bit later, but it can make things worse rather than better. And of course, if you're catering to a child, a young child like that, then it's going to, it just perpetuates the picky eating cycle. Right. So thank you for that. I really, I, really, <laughs> I, I definitely can uh, empathize with that. And um, I always also say, you know what, it's one meal for the family. It's just a way to cook that meal that can really promote yeah. that positive e eating and that positive home environment for the children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, going back to some other question, um, what are some tips to promote positive eating routines? Um, so yeah, so positive eating routines are super important. Um, I'll tell you with my clients, usually this takes care of almost half the problem. If things get into a more positive routine, that alone, without any of these other tips I'm gonna talk about can actually improve uh, how much variety kids are eating. So I tell people to focus on three things in terms of positive eating routine. One is time, the other is together, and the other is positivity. 
So with time, you want to make sure that in general, you're eating around the same time every day. Um, usually breakfast and lunch, that's kind of a no brainer because you're you're on your way out somewhere in the morning and lunch at school is served at the same time or lunch at daycare. Dinner, you want to try and make it within roughly the same half hour, even if you can every night, just because that is associated with a lot healthier eating patterns in children and in adults as well, actually. Um, and you want to make sure with time that you're giving yourself and your family a good like 15 minute chunk to sit and eat where you're not rushing, where you're not saying, come on, let's go. We got to go somewhere. We got to go somewhere. Try and carve out that 15 minute sitting time on the meal and it's part it's a nice part of your day right it's not rushed the second part being together you don't want to have a situation where your kid or your kids are eating by themselves and then you're eating an hour later um sometimes this doesn't work with with parents work routines I know some people eat lunch really late and then they want to give the kids dinner early and it doesn't really work out that you're all eating together but at least sit together and eat a little bit of something right eat like a few spoonfuls of whatever just to make it a more together family cohesive experience. Um, it's just associated with better eating habits. It's associated with um, more, more adventurous eating habits like less picky eating. So time it out, be together. And mo probably most important is make the mealtime positive. So don't be nagging your children to eat things. Don't be asking them constantly, why aren't you eating this? What's wrong with this? Why are you so picky? Um, that's going to lead to a lot of negative emotion, which can hugely impact our appetite. So people wonder, why is my kid not eating at the dinner table? If your kid's miserable at the dinner table, they're not going to have a big appetite and they're just not going to want to eat, right? If you're if it's a bad mood, you know, if you're with someone eating and you're in a terrible mental state, you usually don't want to eat a whole lot of food. So keeping it positive, just light conversation. It's not the time to nag about homework. It's not the time to ask them to clean their room. It's not the time to bring up all the negative stuff, but very positive, very positive subjects. I'll even tell people sometimes to keep a jar of, you know, little questions you can ask, like if you could go on vacation anywhere, where would you go? If you could have a new pet tomorrow, what would you have? You know, what, if you, all your clothes were what color, what would you choose? You know, just keep things very light and positive and focus on the mood rather than the food. <laughs> as cheesy as that sounds, the mood over the food. And it's, yeah, those are the three main parts of a healthy eating routine. That's, those were some wonderful tips. Thank you so much. I was able to add some of my parenting toolbox with those as well. <laughs> yeah. um, another question I have is, how does the parenting style and picky eating work together? So for example, a parent who runs after their child with an uh, iPad to feed the child. Sorry, a parent who, for example, may run after the child with their iPad to be able to feed the child. So how does the parenting style affect eating routines with the child? So like someone who's trying to distract their kid with an iPad so that they'll come and eat. Oh, I see, like a bribery type situation. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, um, the two are quite connected. So um, I, yeah, um, in general, like you wanna make sure that you have the right amount of control with your child so you it's, it's the biggest struggle I think we have as parents is trying to give our kids enough autonomy but not letting things go you know off the rails so what I find a lot with parents is if their children are either not given a lot of limits where they're you know they're given unlimited iPad time they're given unlimited 
whatever candy and treats and things like that, then that leads to a lot of issues with picky eating because the kids just think they're in control of everything and they push that to the limit, you know, either, and it could be conscious or subconscious, right? That could just be their way of, of life. That's how they, what they're used to, right? And on the other hand, if you have a parent who's really controlling, who's not giving their child enough choice with basic appropriate things like, you know, choosing their outfits, choosing, um, you know, to what they do with their friends after school, choosing the after school activities they do, um, choosing perhaps what time of day they do homework. If they're not given any autonomy, then they're going to be really grasping at whatever they can control. And a lot of the times that's the major cause of picky eating. That's You see it happen when kids start school, right? Because they've lost a lot of their control over the day and things are very structured and they don't like it. And they're trying to pull control back and they'll do it with eating, like just like they'll do it with sleep, right? They'll refuse to go to bed because that's something they have control over. So definitely trying to find that balance where you're giving your kid enough freedom, but not letting them run wild is a good, um, a good practice. Yeah. So that's more like being an authoritative parent because an authoritative parent sets boundaries. Uh, It's flexible, but at the same time has limits and talks about routine and structure and all of that really helps with bringing that even picky eating in the home because once you're a lawn maker parent where or you're a permissive parent where you want to always maintain to what your child wants, that's when you're running after your child uh, with that spoon, trying to yep. <laughs> whether whether what you're indicating is you know creating that positive environment, bringing the children during the dinner table, having that set routine time to create that promote that positive learning, positive eating with the same meal, right? Exactly. Where as a parent, we're not also feeling overwhelmed. Those were some wonderful tips. Thank you so much. Yeah, I noticed you had a course too about uh, authoritative parent. Uh, I thought I saw something on your website about that. I should check it out. uh, Part of what we do as positive parenting, we do parenting support. So we talk about how to create that set routine and boundaries. So um, that whole concept of picky eating kind of comes from that because that's a a typical topic that happens in every home, right? Yeah, and a lot lot of homes, yeah. (laughs) But again, that's why we do these workshops to help each other and collaborate, take each other's knowledges, extend that and help the community as much as we can. So that's what we have as Shano's experts here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my next question to you is, when would you consider a picky eating a problem um, socially and in terms of a nutrition? Yeah, so if, if socially, I would say when you start to notice that it's becoming a burden on you, when you start to notice that feeding your child is now becoming not just a regular part of your day, like you, you're really putting a lot of thought into what can I give them? They're not going to eat this. What can I do with this to make it better? What, you know, they're not going to eat this. When you're starting to, like you said, have the different meal for them, or when you're bribing them to come to the table, or when you just sense that it's becoming a burden rather than just a regular part of your day, I would say socially, um, when you're embarrassed to go to restaurants, you're, you're worried about going to parties because what are you going to do about food? That's usually a pretty big red flag. And for nutrition, again, if you are missing a certain food group and you just know, you look at their diet and you're like, okay, they never eat vegetables. They never eat fruit. They only eat this type of food. Um, And of course, if you're noticing signs of any kind of nutrient deficiencies, right? If you notice they're really pale and maybe they don't have enough iron, if you notice they have lack of energy or they're getting a lot of infections, maybe they don't have enough certain vitamins there, then you want to, you know, take a look at what's going on there. 
So what would you say typically uh, in a, in, for a toddler from the nutrition guide, how much portion of, uh, let's say protein and, um, carb or different types of vitamins would you encourage for parents to be introducing to their children? And obviously the parents can, every child is different and I'm sure there's more detail to that and they can reach out to you. But in general, what would you recommend should be the portion taper at toddler, for example? For most toddlers, so meaning between the age of one and three, and they're already, if they were on formula, they're off formula. If they're breastfed, they're they're now eating a wide variety of food. They're not relying solely on breast milk. Like the food is more of the main um, uh, intake. And you want to be aiming for about a thousand calories a day. And you usually just kind of divide that into, um, you know, about maybe a quarter to a third of it being protein. So meats, beans, um, cheese, nuts, nut butter, all the higher protein foods and the rest being um, complex carbs. And, you know, half of it being fruits and vegetables and um, the other portion would be things like grains, things like rice, um, oats, things like that. So, wow. Yeah. So normally, um, you know, normally you can say for protein, it's like we usually say the size of your palm. So obviously a toddler has a smaller palm, so they're going to eat not as big of a piece of steak as near you would. <laughs> um, and yeah. And then in terms of um, it's, it's, it, it equals about four cups of food a day, basically four to get to a thousand calories. If you're following those guidelines of that amount of protein and that amount of carbs. So Wow. Um, you know what? I can tell you, I've seen, uh, like having to run a school, sometimes we ask parents, you know, if you feel that, um, you know, we have the menu, there's different spices from different cultures. If you feel like your child's not comfortable with this food, you can bring a different food from home. Sometimes I find they bring like a, for a two-year-old, I think over 2000 calories and <laughs> carbs and protein. And I look at it, I'm like, if I want to eat this myself, I'm going to be full for two days. It's, it's yeah. funny how as parents, we worry so much where reality is what our body intake needs and what research and science shows is totally different. That's why it's so important to speak to a nutritionist to know exactly what we need to be doing to help support our children. So, yeah, so I think some, and our culture seems to have this fear of like starving children. So if the child doesn't eat a bit at one meal, it's a big, uh, you know, worry yeah. factor for a lot of parents when in reality it goes up and down quite a bit, their food intake. I wanted to point out as well. Um, so having said that, it's about four cups of food and two cups of milk. So that being either cow's milk, if you've transitioned from formula or breast milk, if you're still nursing, yeah. sorry. So it's about four cups of food and two cups of whatever milk they are drinking. That's really good. That's really good. Um, so what are the basic guidelines for helping a peaky eater to uh, get more adventurous with food? There's so many, but I'm going to go over the basic main ones. So I would say the first one is to start small and always be serving um, alongside of something you know that they like. So if your child will always eat, uh, for example, bread and fruit, and you're trying to introduce, I don't know, nuts or seeds or something like that into their diet, then make sure that you're serving a tiny bit or not even a tiny bit, but a smaller bit of that alongside with the things that they always like. So you're giving them that sense of comfort. Like you don't, it's not this or starve, you know, it's, it's, here's your regular food that you like to eat. Here's something new on the side of that. 
that might be interesting. Um, definitely don't try and bribe them or, <laughs> or beg them to eat it because that's just tilting that power uh, balance again back to them. And that is a main one that a lot of people, um, it, it seems like basic knowledge to me because of my job, but a lot of people don't. They'll just put a new thing in front and they'll say, like, this is what we're eating. And even if in the back of your mind, you're thinking if they don't eat it, I'll give them something else. The better option is to give it all at once because that's going to avoid the meltdown, especially with a toddler who's who's too young to comprehend um you know, is can't look as far into the future and is thinking, this is it, you know, this is all they're giving me. Um, it's, it can be very intimidating for them. So another thing you want to look at too is um, just repeat exposure. So if you're serving them along uh, the food they like alongside the new food and they're not eating it or they're eating very little of it, that's fine. Just keep on exposing them to that food, not nonstop, not with every, you know, like a, you don't want to give them broccoli with every single meal because then it's like, enough with the broccoli, but keep uh, exposing them to those new foods, even if they're not eating it. Um, because we just, we get familiar with things that we are exposed to. We see this with, you know, spices that we're used to, like you said, as a culture, when you're familiar with them, they become part of your diet. We do it with food too, right? We eat North American food because we live in North America and it's around all the time. So if you want your kids to eat more vegetables, make sure you have vegetables around them all the time, even if they are not eating them yet. Um, and another thing to do is also you can have them like interact with the food to help you out. You have them help with the food, have them scrub the vegetables, have them chop the vegetables, peel the vegetables, whatever is age appropriate for your kid, because that exposes them to the texture. Sometimes children have a lot of issue with certain textures, depending on the child. And that exposes them to the texture, even though it's not in their mouth and exposes them to the smell, which is we know is really tied to taste, right? So the more familiar and uh, comfortable they get with the smell of something, the more likely they are to taste it. Just any kind of exposure helps, not just eating exposure. So those are two big tips. I feel like I've left something out here. Um, let's see. There's another one that I've noticed that is very effective is I call it, um, which goes back to that whole concept of what you were talking about, about like cutting the food and everything. Um, mm -hmm. One of the tips that um, I find to also be effective is smell it, kiss it, bite it. <laughs> yeah. So I find that um, that's really helpful with toddlers um, the, to make it like a three process. One process is just smell the food. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next process would be, you know, why don't we just kiss it? And then the third process is bite it. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you like that idea, Lentu? It's good. So some kids would be nervous with the biting part, depending on how picky they were and what their, their personality, how resistant they were. But yeah, for sure. Anytime you can encourage kids to, I know like the, the old school thing is like, don't play with your food, but kids playing with food is kids getting a lot of um, sensory exposure to food. And especially if they have sensory issues with a lot, a lot of kids do these days, right? Um, you want to make, make them comfortable with that food. So that's a big issue. I, I remember the other thing that I forgot was uh, giving them a bit of <laughs> control at the table, if it's possible and if it's safe, um, having them plate their own food is often quite effective at having them try more food. So rather than giving them a plate that is full of, you know, chicken and rice and peas or something like that, put the big platter of chicken and rice and peas out and they can choose how much they want. And they will often take more than you think. Like they will often 
if you look at how much you gave them and how much they actually ate versus how much they give themselves and they eat, they'll often eat more when they've served it to themselves because it gives them that sense of control, right? It's again, you're, you're throwing them a little bit of power, right? Where they can choose what goes on their plate from what is out. <laughs> actually, it's one of the things that um, is really promoted in the earlier centers, like childhood yep. settings or the Montessori settings that we talked about is building that independency in the children, giving them that option of making choices. And that is part of authoritative parenting as well, like where you put the plates of the food at the table and giving the children the option to choose. And mm-hmm. then that way, it's really good also because it helps when sometimes some children I find don't like their foods touching themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. You'll end up saying they have a lot of peas and then they'll have their corn and then they have their rice and then they have their chicken and they spread it separately in their plate. So don't put it all in one the way we think they need to eat. Right. So yeah. that yeah. independence and uh, opportunity to choose is really effective way of, um, parenting and helping children with picky eaters. Thank you so much, Shana, for those wonderful tips. Um, also, I just want to point out, sometimes we don't think like they will, sometimes we'll think they don't like salad, but it could be they just don't like one part of the salad. So when you let them take it themselves, they can avoid whatever it is that they don't like, this, the, the cucumber or the, the radish or whatever you've put exactly. in there. So it gives them more um, independence. And I, I also just want to say like, if it's something really hot, like a curry or a stew, or you don't feel comfortable with them, because of the potential for burning, um, still give them some control by saying like, how much do you want? Like say, okay, one scoop and then say, tell me when to stop. Do you know what I mean? So they're not plating it physically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wow, lots of experts from you, Shana, today. Thank you so much. Um, Is there a specific language that is good and bad with picky eating? Yes, so basically any any pointing out of the picky eating is usually not a good idea. Like saying, you're so picky. Why are you so picky? Telling other people she's a bit picky or he's quite picky. The kids hear that, right? We think that they're kind of off doing their own thing, but they'll hear, like they'll come back at you with that, you know, next month and say, well, you said I was picky. What they hear is what they're going to internalize, right? We know this from lots of psychology and sociology theories and whatnot. If you keep saying they're picky, they're picky. You're so picky. They're going to just act like they're picky. And also it gives them that negative self-image of, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the problem, right? I'm the problem eater in this family. So just trying not to say things like that and trying to word it more like, I know you still, you know, I know this isn't your favorite. I know you're still learning to like this. I know you're still getting used to asparagus. I know you're still um, learning to like vegetables, things like that, where you can make it more of a process where you can say, you know, um, you're not like shaming them basically for being a picky eater. It's, it's, a, it's a learning experience, right? When we're learning to be adventurous eaters, that's a learning experience. They're learning that things are safe and things are, um, you know, things that they, they're learning to like healthy food, essentially. They're getting used to it. And it is experience as a, it's a learning experience, just like learning to write and learning to read and things like that. So we don't want to shame them for you know, faltering at that, <laughs> or it gives them quite a bad self-image. And it just makes things negative around food, which, like I said earlier, can really impact appetite. So if food becomes a stressful thing for them, it's really going to lower their appetite, or it's going to make them only want sweet things that give them that sugar boost that lights up the reward center of their brain. It becomes a big problem, you know. I, I know with um, 
uh, we talk about negative emotional messages, it's like it's really centralizing around that negative emotional messages without subconsciously knowing what we're doing, the words we're using, we're creating that environment for the child without knowing. So um, things like, um, if you don't eat, mommy won't be proud. Or yeah, yeah. Or, or, it's a bad <laughs> one. Uh, I can tell. I, I, I will have to tell daddy. Like those are like emotional messages that we're sending subconsciously without even knowing the implication that is having that. Oh, there's something wrong with me not eating this, so I need to force myself to eat this. So staying positive with children it's so essential and. And that emotional message is something subconsciously we do as parents. And, and it's so nice of you to yeah. up to sort of avoiding and staying away from those emotional messages. Yeah. And it is, I think it's kind of like an old school way. And we, a lot of us might've been told that as kids and we just think that's the norm, um, especially like it varies a lot by culture too. But I think a lot of kids in North America were kind of pressured to eat as kids or, you know, or if you're. <laughs> saying things like there are children starving in Africa and you're not eating your peas and think of how ungrateful, you know, think of how much they would like to have this food. I mean, that's a lot to put on a little kid, right? They're not responsible for the third world and their, you know, eating habits are not um, something they should be ashamed of and things like, um, I thought of another one. I just made a note here. Oh. oh, another big one that comes up is when people say, oh, and my, my mom does this all the time with my kids. Oh, you don't like eggs anymore? Oh, you don't like this anymore? Like, because, you know, sometimes kids don't eat one thing that they used to eat. Oh, now you don't like this. Oh, now, you, like, that kind of, it's, it's negative, right? You kind of know that it's negative as soon as you say it. But sometimes our emotions get the best of us. But avoiding things like that and just keeping, even if you can't, it's like the old rule, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything <laughs> All right. Just present it like you're presenting it to a guest in your house and don't say anything. Right. And we wouldn't say that to a friend that you had over like, oh, I thought you liked eggs. Why aren't you eating those eggs? Did I cook them wrong? Like, is there something wrong? You just kind of present it and hope for the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. There were a lot of uh, wonderful uh, information. I personally took away so many new things um just the whole calorie wise what to take the intakes the expectations and so many other positive tips that you provided us today is there anything um that you want to leave us with tonight um i don't think so let me see i think we already talked about like giving kids some control another thing you could keep in mind is you can give them control in terms of food choices without giving them all the control. So instead of saying, what do you want for lunch? You can say, would you rather have a sandwich or soup or a sandwich or, um, you know, a snack plate, some kids like those bento boxes with all the things in them. Right. So giving them a choice without giving them the whole choice, if that makes sense, you know, either or option. Um, and also uh, we didn't talk about not withholding like dessert, right? You'll get your dessert when you eat your potatoes, right? That's a bad habit to get into as well, because you start getting kids force feeding themselves in order to get dessert. And that can lead to a lot of issues with, uh, with food as well. I think we covered everything, but just want to reiterate the hardest thing I know for parents, the hardest, absolute hardest thing is keeping the language positive at the dinner table. It's by far the thing that Um, clients struggle with and it's just in conversations with people I know it's hard so you know just do what you can like I said keep the list of things you want to talk about just remind yourself it's a process picky eaters aren't going to become unpicky 
overnight. It's a, and even if it takes a year, if you have a child who's five, they're going to have those eating habits for the next 80 years, right? It's the long game you're going for here. So just stay positive, keep that in mind. And I want to thank you again for being here with us, helping us understand a little bit more about picky eatings with toddlers and preschoolers and some tips that we can implement and learning a little bit about nutrition definitely was a one-on-one session for me you can also reach out to inventive kids kidz.com um you can learn about our elementary school our early year center child care you can learn about our parent practitioner support community groups also we work with families going through family mediation separation child voice reports anything that you feel that your family needs for community we're here to support you Thank you so much, Shana, for today, and we appreciate your support, and we look forward to having you with us more time. Make sure to check out inventivekids.com events for other parenting workshops, courses, and events. Thank you.